Ways to hear from your guides. How can you improve your sensitivity and psychic abilities? First, you might have more gifts than you thought. Looking through these case studies could remind you of a time you experienced clairsentience or the gift of dreams. Second, refining the sixth sense takes practice and confidence, but it can be a fun and joyous process, not hard work. I'd like to share with you how to develop each of these gifts in the hopes that you'll recognize your own talents and take them to the next level. Ways to hear from your guides. 1. Clairvoyance and visual clues. Some people can see auras. Some people see ghosts. Some can see through walls. Most don't believe they can do it, or they know they have some gift but need to have it confirmed. The invisible ends of the color spectrum can be seen with special equipment. Your special equipment is your mind. Case. Fikile was a serious woman who made no small talk. She showed emotion only when she asked questions about her child's health. The immediate answer was, he will get better. She asked for specific recommendations and was given a list of foods and remedies that would help him. Then she asked about how frequently he should be taken to the doctor, and the answer was, you can scan him, you can see and diagnose diseases. She didn't look skeptical, only thoughtful. Her guides told me to get up and stand against the wall. At that time, I had a urinary tract infection I had just started to treat, so I was told to ask Fikile to scan me, and she responded, lower abdominal problem. I asked her to identify the organ, and she said, bladder. I was impressed, and I told her exactly what was going on inside me. I asked her how she knew. It looks hot there. I quizzed her further. Was she seeing a color? No, it's not exactly a color, but I know the organ is infected. It's as if I can see the vibration of heat. Her homework was to scan herself in the mirror, standing against a white wall, and to match her visions with what she knew was going on in her body. Then her guides recommended she scan her son. We continued through her whole list with questions about her house and her marriage, but at no time did she reveal what her actual profession was. After we finished, I was intrigued and asked what she did for her work. To my joy, she shared, I'm a medical doctor, and my son is autistic. What I thought after this case was, thank God that people sometimes end up in the profession which matches their spiritual gift. At the same time, her gifts were being tested to their max by a son with special needs. You. If you have a physical problem you're trying to solve, you could scan the area with your eyes. Do you feel or see any heat or infection there? Also, try removing the clothing from that part of the body and then look closely to study the marks on the skin. All the while, pray and ask for guidance that the solutions will be revealed. Case. Rebecca, in pearls and her hair up in a neat bun, leaned forward as she asked each question. She looked up at me and made eye contact every time I spoke, nodded gently, and wrote copious notes. She reminded me of a sociologist visiting an alien planet. When Rebecca asked, what are my spiritual gifts? Her guides told her she could see auras and that she should find out what the various aura colors mean. Again, I stood against a white wall, and as she looked at me, the guides told me that she would see green. They also showed me my handbag stashed beneath my desk, indicating that it was a similar color to my aura. It took her a while. She was fighting her first instinct. When she said, light green, I shouted, yes. I pulled my bag out from under the desk to give her an even stronger confirmation. You. 
If you often see sparkles in the sky or when looking into the distance, you could have visual gifts. Work on seeing your own aura first by facing a mirror and looking about two inches away from your head. It might appear just as a wavering energy field, like heat on the highway. It might seem like a light color. Your aura is your life force, and its vividness can be a reflection of your spiritual health. Then, next time you're in a long conversation, look slightly away from the person's outline and see if you can identify his aura. There are books and websites about what the colors mean, but it's sometimes better if you use your own judgment and make your own patterns. Case. Clairvoyance can also mean seeing a movie clip in your head. Mbali worked in a shop with her husband, but they weren't getting along, and she asked, what should I do? Before she said anything else, I saw a hitman enter and shoot the husband and kill him. Then I saw all the employees turn against Mbali, phoning the police and dragging her out of the shop. While I was seeing this vision, Mbali looked down at her list and said out loud, I have a plan, and I want to know if it's going to work. The guides told me not to disclose that I understood her scheme. Their verbal answer to her was, Everyone has seen you make faces when your husband says something mean to you. You will be the primary suspect if anything happens to him. The other people, clients and employees both, would testify against you. Let us suggest another plan. You. The secret to working with clairvoyance is to constantly check your ego fears against reality. Let's say that you see a video in your mind of the curtains catching fire at your son's house. Should you call him and ask him to check the kitchen stove? Sure. This scenario actually happened to a friend of mine whose mother was clairvoyant. However, your ego may be playing tricks on you if you constantly envision disaster scenarios that don't come true. Be wary of your fears. As the poem Desiderata says, do not distress yourself with imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. Clairvoyance easily blends into reality creation. On the positive side, if you visualize well, you can create happy outcomes in your mind. Healer and author Louise Hay is a mastermind at this, and you can read her books listed in this bibliography. In the meantime, practice by sketching out the next conflict scenario you need to enter, be it at a dinner party or a meeting with your boss. Imagine all of your wishes being granted. The final frame of the video is everyone laughing and smiling and understanding each other. Voila! Hold that thought and see what happens. Case. Toby asked, how can I help my friend? I turned and stared at the carpeting, as I was led to do. The color light blue jumped out at me as if blue were the only color I could see, even though it's a Persian rug with many colors. The blue was important. I heard in my mind how to piece it together with the question. Blue is the color of the throat chakra. I let myself relax and let the words come to me. I told Toby, your friend is struggling with an addiction. It's a woman, right? Toby nodded. You should get her a light blue scarf. Light blue is the color of the throat, and she can wrap it around her throat. This woman is susceptible, in a good way, to color therapy, and that would help her with her addiction. Does that make sense to you? Toby stared at me and gave a firm yes. You. If you get a clear signal over and over, try to find out what it means. Check a book out of the library. Your guides will use a system that is somewhat familiar or easy for you to access.
Case. For me, one of the most surprising visual cues is face morphing. Just like in the movies when the special effects team makes a person age from 20 to 80 in a minute, I'll be looking at a client and his face will shift. It can go from male to female, young to old, healthy to ill. The message I'm supposed to pass on arrives via physical features. These morphing visual cues confirm and enhance my understanding of what needs to be said. Once, a client named Jeff asked, how can I improve my health? And I saw the top of his head get bigger. It's as if his head was expanding up and out like a balloon. You are retaining water and it's giving you headaches. Then I looked down at the desk and I saw white specks of dust. That dust was probably there the whole time, but I hadn't needed to see it before. So I continued, you need to increase your intake of sea salt rather than table salt because table salt has something bad in it for you that's causing you to retain water. Sea salt is good for you. You practice face morphing by imagining a friend you are in conflict with. Picture your friend's face and hold the image. Now ask for help from your guides and say, what do I need to understand about this person? Maybe you'll see mold growing on top of the person's head and realize that you have stale ideas about your relationship. Maybe you'll see him turn into a bear and you'll realize he needs to retreat to his cave for a while. Try it. Case. Sometimes visual cues can reach into ancient or natural symbolism. The first question Tabo asked was, how can I improve my life? His guide suggested I look down at the desktop. An ant crawled right over my finger. Since the ant symbolizes work, I said the message, well, you need to get to work. Tabo burst out laughing because, as he explained, he'd been lazy, he hadn't been employed for months, and he'd been living off his mom. He hadn't even been trying that hard to get a job. You. Be mindful of animal totems who appear in real life a deer in the garden, a bat swooping down over your car. Animals are potent carriers of symbolism. Use your own imagination and also look up the meanings of animals who cross your path in unusual ways. Ways to hear from your guides too. Clear audience and audio cues. There are two kinds of voices you can hear, officially called external locution and internal locution. External locution is rarer. It's when you hear a voice outside of yourself. The voice doesn't sound like you. It usually speaks briefly, one word or one sentence, and then silence. Internal locution is in your head. Usually this voice sounds like you, and most of the time it is just mind chatter about remembering to call somebody. But the tone of the voice can change and take on more importance. It's as if you're napping on the sofa and the TV switches from the commercials to the National Geographic program you've been waiting to watch. You notice the difference. Case. After a session, a client named Ricardo gave me an example of an internal locution that shifted his perspective. I was hustling from one office to another, carrying books and files, and suddenly I heard a voice in my head say in a very dry voice, just because you're busy doesn't mean you're important. I stopped in my tracks. It was right. Since then, I've taken my work and my life a little more lightly. You. When the voice in your head doesn't sound like you, listen to it. If it's telling you something interesting or unusual, pay attention. If it's just nagging you or repeating itself over and over, it's probably just your ego. Don't worry. Case. 
A woman named Pinky lived up to her name. She wore gauzy pink fairy clothing and radiated light. One of her many questions was, how can I receive messages from my guides? They replied that she would often carry a question around with her all day, and then she would notice that a random stranger, even somebody standing on a street corner in downtown Johannesburg, would say something out loud that answered her question. She nodded her elegant head, and her Indian silver earrings vibrated. She said, I've been carrying around the question, I want to leave this city, where should I move to? I kept that question in my mind, repeated it to myself, and then I was in the supermarket line and overheard somebody saying clearly, Port Elizabeth is a great place to live. Port Elizabeth is a beautiful city because... And I realized that my angels were playing an advertisement right to me. That's another form of external locution. You. How can you develop this gift? By being aware of the bigger questions in your life and focusing your attention on them and offering your questions up to God. Also by following through on the advice that's given. If you hear a personalized special for San Francisco, better check out what's going on there for you. Audio clues can come in the form of music, too. Case. Ruth, a thin young woman with stringy yellow hair, staggered into the office, threw her handbag on the floor, and slumped into the chair. She hung her head in her hands, and I pushed the box of tissues toward her. Yep, she had already started bawling. She must have been saving up all these emotions for a while. Usually I can't work with someone who is so upset because she wouldn't be able to register the messages. I waited for the sobbing to drift into tears. While she wept, I sent light energy toward her, and I said the prayer out loud while she dried her face. In my head, I heard the opening bars to the Bob Marley song, Three Little Birds. That's the one with the chorus, Don't worry about a thing, every little thing is going to be all right. I hummed the song for her. Ruth started to cry again, but this time with a smile mixed in. She said, They must know that reggae is one of the only things that cheers me up. I said, they do. They're with you all the time. It's not like I'm following you around. I added, it's funny. You don't look like you listen to reggae music. She said, yeah, but I do when I'm depressed. So they're trying to give me something to pick me up. You. What's on your personal soundtrack right now? If there's a song stuck in your head, discern if it's sending you information. You can also implant a song in your head to give yourself affirmations. Keep it on a low volume in your mind as you go about your daily business. Case. Sometimes both the client and I hear the audio cue. That's even more special. Karen, a mother with a big silver cross as a pendant, asked about her children. Usually clients are not allowed to ask questions such as, how will my children turn out? But this time she asked, what can I do to help my children? I got the picture in my mind that there were two boys, and she confirmed that. The older one I got at about 16? He's 17. Okay, so we went with him first. Just as we started talking, outside I heard someone's car radio switch on, then off. Did you hear that? I checked with her. Karen nodded. To me, that flash of music sounded exactly like the Muslim call to prayer. She agreed that it did, kind of. I paused and concentrated on the eldest son. The guide said, even though this family is Christian, this boy is going to be interested in Islam. I broke it to the mother like this. You can encourage him to be open-minded to other religions because he will find his path in that way. 
She looked hesitant but then said he had been troubled lately and needed structure. She said she would chew on the idea and if he brought it up himself, she would support him. Case. When I was working out of a cottage behind a house in Cape Town, I did a reading for a woman named Sarah whose face looked pale and anemic. She also kept sighing. Her questions and answers indicated tough things going on with her parents, a divorce, and problems with her children. The message came through for her to go on a silent retreat. The guides even suggested a town in the Karoo Desert and how many days she should stay away. At this message, Sarah sank back into the sofa and sighed, looking away from me. She said, I'm reluctant because it will take me away from my work, and that's the only thing that's going right. I was just about to repeat the message, emphasizing its importance, when the house alarm went off with a deafening shriek. It was three o'clock in the afternoon, my landlords weren't at home, and so Sarah and I left the cottage and walked around the house to check for burglars. Nobody there. The alarm went silent after a few minutes. We re-entered the cottage and continued the session, and then just as I said, you need to go on this silent retreat or else, the alarm went off again. We both jumped from fright and then laughed out loud. It was obvious that Sarah's internal alarm system was on a hair trigger. She needed to be disarmed, and the antidote was silence. Case. Nosifundo, an older woman living alone in her house, asked, Are the signs I believe I'm getting from my guides real, or am I imagining things? That one question triggered a long list of audio clues she was hearing. Knocking in the walls, a baby crying, a cat meowing, doors slamming by themselves, the television going on all by itself, the phone ringing and nobody on the line, and a high-pitched electrical sound. Nosifundo responded, I've had all those, but not the phone. I told her to pay attention to that one because it means call somebody. She was isolated, and she needed to reach out more. You. For yourself... Tune into audio clues and other cues that coincide with your emotional state. Or listen for punctuation from the invisible world. Are your guides emphasizing a point with sound? Ways to hear from your guides. Number three, smell. Personally, I do not have a hypersensitive sense of smell. I'm not the kind of person who walks into a house and smells the mold in the corners or the cat. Chinese doctors walk around their patients and sniff their feet and armpits, etc. Luckily, I don't have to do that. But when I'm in the middle of a session with a client, sometimes I'll get a whiff of something that can help us determine what the current health problem might be. The client's guides will interpret what that means and which remedies they're going to recommend. Case. We were going through questions from Bill and I smelled old socks for just a second. The guides told me that this meant he'd been drinking way too much cheap coffee. I didn't have to say, your feet smell like a dead animal. I just said, you're drinking about six cups of instant coffee per day. Bill replied, yes, it's more like seven or eight. And then we went on from there. As soon as I got the message out, the smell went away, or perhaps my sense of smell reverted to normal. Case. On a sunny summer morning in Cape Town, in walked Matapello, a woman who gave me the impression of an organized architect, geometric glasses, dark clothes, and a leather artist's portfolio. Though she looked together on the outside, I saw her hands were shaking. She said, as many people do, I've never done this before. As soon as Matapello finished those words, I smelled incense, although I hadn't lit any for a few days. 
I just nodded at her and smiled as I tried to determine which kind her guides were burning. I pictured midnight mass at Christmas, and I realized it was frankincense. This led to the first message before she even opened her list. Actually, your guides are saying that you have come to a session like this before, but you can't remember it. You used to live in Germany, and you lived near a forest. She looked confused. I've only lived in South Africa my whole life. And then she hesitated. But the setting you're describing sounds familiar. Maybe I dreamed it. Your element is wood, and you have a connection with trees. Your guides are burning frankincense because that's made from the sap of a tree. She nodded, taking notes. You are meant to be working with lumber, helping the forest industry decide how to plant new trees to replace the ones they are logging. She set down her pen. That's amazing. I'm studying sustainable development, but I haven't chosen my specialty yet. We worked through her family history and her religious past. She had left Catholicism behind, and that's why I saw the Midnight Mass, and the only religious person in her childhood had been her grandmother, who had come from, you guessed it, Germany. Her guides asked the client to reconnect with religion and to integrate ritual into her life, starting by burning incense. She left at the end of the session a changed person, still organized and together, but less focused on career and more open to her soul's callings. You. The frankincense was a clue that this client had a holy calling from a past life. Ask yourself which smells make you feel happy and safe. Vanilla? Rose? Orange? Find all natural essential oils at a health shop. Carry them with you in your bag and inhale them if you get anxious. Use a personal menu of smells to help you identify friends and foes. Does your new boss smell of an aftershave that reminds you of your bad high school teacher? Don't prejudge, but keep this in mind as you go forward. Scent can be a powerful vehicle of messages from your guides. Case. I smelled fried food as soon as the client came in the door. Terry was about 15 pounds overweight and was wearing baggy clothes to disguise her shape. She struggled to find a pen in her heavy handbag, and her list of questions was crumpled up. I got the picture of a roasted chicken, and then I saw a grilled cheese sandwich. It made me hungry and then a bit nauseous. Your brain is short on oil, her guides told Terry, and that's why you're craving fried foods. The good oil shortage is giving you symptoms of attention deficit disorder. You have short-term memory loss, you feel overwhelmed by life, and you start reading books, but you only get one or two chapters in, and then you put them down. Her eyes filled up with tears, but they didn't roll down her face until I said, and if you eat any more grilled cheese sandwiches, you're going to have a heart attack. Please switch to roasted chicken. Then she cried. They also advised omega-3 capsules and olive oil. We went on to cover many other topics, but Terry ended the session by saying, I believe my guides know me and are with me all the time. She looked above my head and mouthed, Thank you. You. For yourself, notice unusual smells and link them with your brain's archives. Then make patterns. If you smell a burnt match, does that mean you are burning out? Try taking a rest. If you smell coffee where there isn't any around, does that mean you need to wake up? Also, pay attention to the smells of your own body. Even though we mask smells effectively with toothpaste and deodorant, you will be able to tell when there's a difference. Especially try smelling your feet and scalp by running your fingers through your hair, as they are great communicators of toxins. 
Ways to hear from your guides. Number four, clairsentience, touch, taste, and empathy. Clairsentience is receiving messages through the sense of touch or taste. For example, if I feel the shoulder sleeves of my sweater swell up tight like blood pressure cuffs, I realize the client has a lymph system blockage and needs to exercise the arms in order to drain the glands in the armpits. If I also taste rotten eggs, I'll know the client has too much sulfur in his system. Empathy is feeling other people's symptoms just as they experience them. That's when somebody walks in and I clap my hand to my neck and say, do you have a terrible pain in the neck? And he responds, yes, I was in a horse riding accident. To be sure, most people don't try to develop clairsentience and empathy because they are painful. If you have these gifts, you need to recognize them by realizing that some of your symptoms are not your own. Ask yourself, does there seem to be a cause for me to have a sore knee? Or am I sitting near someone at work who is complaining about a sore knee and I'm picking it up? You. Set healthy boundaries. Try to keep yourself fit so you can know when a sneeze is your own or somebody else's. Touch is an effective sense for messages. The angels can work very specifically with me using touch. They can raise or lower my body temperature one or two degrees so I can tell when the client has an infection. In the case of an abdominal infection, my stomach will become hot. I feel the fever, and I ask the client to put her hand on her own stomach. Then she can feel her own symptom, which she sometimes hadn't noticed before. The guides will then give specific, natural, or Western medical remedies. The remedies are not the same for everybody. The diets are not the same. It's not as if one diet works for all kinds of people at every stage in their lives. A sense of touch can be an itch, like an itchy scalp, and that's a typical symptom of candida, which people manifest in different ways. Another example is a feeling of perspiration. I'll feel sweat on my hands, and it will be as if I'm having an anxiety attack. If the client has just asked about her relationship with her mother, I receive immediate information. Your mother makes you nervous. You need to work on your sense of self-confidence. Then we can go to the next part of the message. Here are three things you can do to improve your self-esteem. The guides never give symptoms or describe disorders unless they're going to offer solutions, and those solutions are tailor-made for each client. Case. Swazi sat down, and we said our opening prayer. As soon as I opened my eyes, I felt a knife stabbing into my leg, and then on my arm, and then on my foot, and then on my back. It wouldn't stop. I yelped out loud and described the terrible pains. To my horror, she rolled up the cuffs of her trousers and showed me red welts on her ankles. This is eczema. I have it all over my body, but only where my clothing covers the skin. The guides sorted her out immediately. This was the priority. The message had come through physically even before she'd voiced her first question. Case. Aaron came in, dressed like an elf. Floor-length velvet cape silver bracelets, and knee-high leather boots. She either read The Lord of the Rings or practiced magic. My instant reaction was a clairsentient feeling of flow, of ease in the body, and peacefulness. However, Erin had come in because she had problems, and she launched into her questions without the sense of grace I had expected. Instead, she bent over her notebook and doodled black boxes as I spoke heavily. The pen almost went through to the next sheet. 
My clairsentience was on full blast, and I kept sensing a vast disconnect between the dancing, happy, go-with-the-wind feeling in my body and the hunched, crabby woman sitting on the sofa opposite me. After ignoring most of what I was telling her, finally she asked, So will I ever get back together with my ex-boyfriend? And I heard from the guides, This is the key question of the session. They told me the answer was no, but I should break it to her gently. There's another man coming to you soon. You haven't met him yet. He's magical, but he's not from here. He looks Asian. You can identify him. But before I could go any further, she let out a shriek like car brakes. What about Andres? I felt my heart pound. I saw everything go dark before me. I was getting too many of her symptoms, and I appealed to all the guides to cut my connection to the client because I felt I was going to pass out. Well... What your guides are telling me is that your time with Andres was meant to be brief, and that's how he explained it to you himself, that he wasn't going to commit, he was just passing through. Again, I felt a shockwave. Erin was standing up now, velvet swirling about her, and I wondered if she was about to go jump off Table Mountain into the ocean of her own personal drama. It cannot be true. I told her I wished her well, and she stormed out. About a year later, I ran into her on the street different cloak, and a more peaceful attitude. She reintroduced herself. Didn't tell me if she had ever met up with her old boyfriend, but she shook hands with me in a way that said she had absorbed the message eventually. You. If you are receiving someone else's symptoms too strongly or too often, pray about it. Ask God to show you how you can help the other person and thus break the link, or how you can let go of your need-to-be-needed if that's what's keeping you hooked in. Don't let yourself suffer someone else's pain. Taste. It doesn't matter what I ate for lunch, but I can taste in my mouth food that the client is allergic to. Your guides are communicating that fried onions do not sit well with you. And the client confirms, yes, I usually burp when I have onions. Or it could be the taste of beer, or the taste of a medicine, or candy. It can also be dry mouth, or that kind of thing. What the guides are doing, and remember, these are the client's guides working through my nervous system to communicate beyond words and to use the real sensation. Why go to such an effort? The client can see that I'm experiencing their feelings. I make a sour face. I click my tongue in my mouth and say, Ick, tastes like sour milk. This reassures the client that their guides know who they are and want to help them increase their well-being. Case My worst case of empathy and taste was with a man who had no sense that what he was eating was tearing up his intestines. As the guides gave him his list of foods to eat and to avoid, I started getting queasy, and the palms began to sweat. I wanted to lie down on the floor. I told him this, but he didn't look too bothered. We went on making the list, what to avoid, including sauerkraut and pork sausage. He protested that was his favorite combination, when all of a sudden I had to vomit, I looked around for a trash basket, but then dashed for the bathroom next to my office. I spent three or four minutes emptying my stomach, feeling awful, and retching so loudly I'm certain he heard. I came back pale and sweating. He finally looked convinced. You. If your child is ill, you can try to use the gift of empathy. Sit across from her and pray that you can figure out which system in her body is the first one to treat. Sometimes, what looks like a head cold actually comes from constipation, for example. Clearing out that system with foods that act as laxatives could remove enough blockage 
to let the body detox itself naturally. First, scan yourself and identify your own aches and pains. Next, scan yourself while tuning in to the other person. What doesn't feel right? Your sympathy may lead to a solution. Ways to hear from your guides. Number five, healing hands. This gift is receiving and transmitting the energetic power of God to heal. If your hands heat up in an extraordinary way or feel as if they're on fire, you probably have the gift of healing hands. Some people also have a clear X mark in the lines of their palms. Case. While I was a guest on a Johannesburg television program, a young man asked, What are my spiritual gifts? His guides told him to hold his hands up to the camera. I said out loud, on one hand, you have a clear X, meaning you can heal with that hand. And on one hand, you have a clear Y, meaning you can help people answer their questions. Case. I was having lunch at a local bakery when a woman at another table collapsed to the floor. Her friend knelt beside her. I guessed epileptic seizure, and when I asked the friend, she nodded. The woman having the seizure lay stretched out on the tiles, convulsing mildly. I said to the friend, I do Reiki, is it okay with you if I lay my hands on her? She nodded yes, she was on the phone to the ambulance. I rubbed my hands together and felt the Reiki energy light up. I placed my palms gently on her back. I prayed that I could help this woman. I held my hands there for about two minutes, and then the connection left me and I removed my hands. The woman was still shaking and the ambulance hadn't arrived, but I felt that was all I could do. I wished the friend well. She was calm and said that she had been through this before. And I went to the counter to pay my bill. The bakery manager had witnessed all this. In fact, she had found a coat to spread over the woman. The manager asked, so didn't the Reiki work? I answered honestly, I think it helps. It always helps. Case. At a station where I did a show, a woman had a twisted ankle. She was hobbling around and complaining, so when she sat still, I asked if I could lay my hands on her. In this case, she said the pain lessened immediately, and when I saw her the next week, she said it disappeared overnight. You. If you do have the gift of healing with your hands, you can use it on yourself. Lay your palm squarely on your stomach, your knee, your forehead, or wherever you're feeling a pain. If the pain is in your shoulder blade, it's okay if you place the back of your hand opposite your palm in contact with your back. You'll know this works if the pain starts to diminish or go away within five minutes. You also might feel your palm heat up more than the part of the body you're working on. Please practice this on yourself before trying to help someone else. The best way to send the healing is by holding your hand still, not by moving it around in a circle or massaging the painful spot. Ways to hear from your guides number six, dreams. Everybody has dreams. Most people remember dreams, especially when they are startling. Some people have the ability to dream about the future or to dream in a way that explains the present. Case. A client named Lillian had been having continual dreams about being raped, yet she was pretty certain that she had never been raped in real life. Her guide said that her emotional boundaries had been violated so often as a child that it was as if her space were not her own. When Lillian was young, her parents had told her repeatedly, you're not angry, don't be sad, and you have no reason to be upset. 
until she couldn't identify her own feelings anymore. Her dreams let her know what she needed to work on, strengthening her personal boundaries. Her guides recommended a course of talk therapy. You. Write your dreams down in the morning. Some people only remember their dreams after they've had breakfast. Keep them all together in a notebook. You can trace patterns and themes and prove to your friends and family that yes, you did predict that this event was going to happen. Increasing your intake of vitamin B helps you develop your dream life. Some foods such as molasses are rich in vitamin B, magnesium, and zinc. If you take molasses by the teaspoonful before you go to sleep, you can see whether your dreams become more vivid and whether you remember them more clearly. I showed my bottle of molasses to Miranda, the lady working at the Melville Turret B&B where I used to practice. She exclaimed, I know that. In Swana, we call it Tsipi. It is well known to make good dreams. About those books of dream symbols, it's not that they're inaccurate, it's that each person has his own symbols. A spider can mean one thing to you and one thing to your sister. You shouldn't go just by what those books say. Ways to hear from your guides. Number seven, word of wisdom. Another gift of the Spirit is to transmit messages. Some religions call this gift of messages word of wisdom, and anybody can receive them. You don't have to be a full-time prophet. Some people can have only one experience as a messenger, and that's it. The appropriate thing has been said to the right person at the right time. The job is done. Other people have this as an ongoing gift. When I hear a message for someone, I have to relay it with great discretion and as accurately as possible. I shouldn't add in my two cents. I should just say what's what and be done. How can you tap into this? By not being afraid to be a messenger in appropriate situations. What is appropriate? For example, I don't hear messages for my family members, just as doctors, surgeons, dentists, and psychologists don't practice on their own family members. You'll have to discern if it's okay for you to give messages to your relatives or if your own personal opinions would influence the message too much. If I ever feel called to say something to a stranger in a seemingly random situation, I do say it, and I'm always glad to receive a word of wisdom, even if I don't know the messenger. Case. Often, when a person asks about children, my fingers go into the formation of two or three or four or five to represent how many children we will be talking about. On one woman's list was, how can I help my children? My fingers made a three. We need to discuss the middle one who is feeling neglected. She said, gee, there are only two children. I listened for more information and asked, is there a three-year gap between them? She confirmed, and I said, at Christmas, in the first year after your older child was born, you went into a pretty bad depression. Do you remember that? She said, yes, that it wasn't postpartum depression, but she had felt awful. Her guide said that she had fallen pregnant but had immediately miscarried and had undergone a hormonal surge at that point. Now in this reading, she was asked to think of a name for the child that had come and gone so quickly, even though she hadn't even known that she was pregnant. They said it was a boy. She said, I'd always wanted a boy, and my other two children are girls, so I will use the name I was saving for a boy. This word of wisdom made the client drop her shoulders and look more relaxed. An internal mystery had been solved. Case. 
Zuleka was told that she had the gift of messages, and then her guides said, You have a message for Shannon right now. I had no idea what to expect. I hadn't told this client anything about myself or what was going on in my life. The truth was, it was Christmas. I was staying at the Royal Hotel in Durban. I was feeling distant from my family and homesick, but I was plunging myself into my work and keeping those emotions at bay. So Lekka folded her hands in her lap and closed her eyes. After a few seconds, she opened her eyes and they were moist. She said, I don't know why I have to tell you this, and paused. I told her to go ahead. Nothing you would say would hurt me or would be inappropriate. Don't worry. Zuleka continued, It's not bad. I just don't understand. Your mother loves you very much. And then I cried. You. Do you ever feel that you just have to communicate something urgent to somebody, even if the person is a stranger? Why not say it? The recipient gets to decide what to do with the information. Just don't take it personally if they don't jump up and down saying thank you. First, they probably have to digest the message. Second, remember, it wasn't your wisdom.